Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Georgia Tech podcast. We are your co-host. That is RJ Schaefer. I am Jackson Caldwell, and now we are officially on the right side, so we can start this podcast for real this time. And yes, I'm sure for anybody listening to the last episode, you are glad I'm not in State Farm Arena with noise distracting you and irritating you. So yes, you're welcome for that. But yeah, it, coming to you on Friday, January 19th here in the afternoon, our usual time. RJ is coming off a big win for the Packers. He's nervous for tomorrow, but he he's locked and ready for today. Yep. Yeah. Locked yeah. I mean, we we got kind of a slow news week, but you know, hey, it, it, it's never a slow slow news week when it comes to Georgia Tech. Notching a big win in basketball, have another big game tomorrow in Atlanta. Have plenty to talk about there. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just dive right into it. So it was funny. Me, me, and when me and RJ were on here last, we were talking about the new hires of Kyle Pope as the outside linebackers coach coming over from Memphis. We'd already touched on Jess Simpson coming over. He was a co-defensive coordinator at Duke. Um, also had been previously the defensive line coach at Miami and the Atlanta Falcons. So we also touched on like, well. Defense coordinator should be coming at some point. You know, Brent Key was on uh, 680, the fan, the, the radio station, and saying that um, he had hoped to, to have the defensive coaching staff hire hires in place and ready to go in a few days. And what do you know, just a few hours after me and RJ get off the air, uh, former Duke co-defensive coordinator Tyler Sant – I believe it's pronounced Santucci. I, I, I apologize if, it, if that's wrong, but um, he was hired as a new defense coordinator. That had been rumored uh, – quite for quite a while actually there have been some other names thrown around there but um his, his name was kind of prominent he's a, he's a younger guy he was a co-defense coordinator at Duke like I said he has previous experience at Texas A&M Wake Forest Notre Dame he kind of fi- followed Mike Elko wherever he went and like Mike Elko's been a really good de- he was a really good defense coordinator for years at all those stops Notre Dame Wake Forest um and Texas A&M before getting the head coaching job at Duke where he did a, a really good job and is obviously now back at Texas A&M. But like a little bit to my surprise, and I'll admit I don't know the full backstory here, um, Loco didn't didn't bring him with him. Um, he hired uh, Florida assistant Jay Bateman, defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. So that, that, le- that left Tyler out on the market, and Brent Key come in and scooped him up. Um, Duke was one of the best defenses in the ACC um, this past year, and really for the past two years. So I'll take you back a couple years ago to David Cutcliffe's final season Duke was one of the worst defenses at a power five level or division one level that I had ever seen before now I think obviously Elko deserves a lot of credit for that I you know I think one name you might say about this hire is okay how much did Elko really have his hands on the defense like was the defense mostly his credit or did Santucci have a lot of credit in, in that as well but Duke was instantly better on defense right away. And, like, you have to think about it. Duke and Georgia Tech recruit similar caliber players. And that's not to knock anything, but neither Duke or Georgia Tech are filled with five stars on the defensive side of the football. Like, that that's just a fact. So, I like the hire. You also – it is – you know, you have to recruit a certain way at Duke. Like, you have to recruit a certain way at Georgia Tech. So, you know, I'll, I'll never give up – most hires, I'm not an A-plus just because – there's always unknowns when somebody goes to a different place. Like it, it can just be a different, um, different things going on. But I will, I, I'd give it an A minus. Like, uh, just w- want to get your thoughts on it. And you know, what, what did you think? Of, literally hours after we got off the air last Friday. Yeah, I'd say a similar thing. And if you look at 
uh, Duke's defense last year statistically, the best scoring defense in the ACC and 16th nationally. Obviously, we don't know how much control he had over that defense, but I, I, I would be in the same area as you. I would give this a B-plus higher. I think there's a ton of upside. Uh, a guy that's, you know, been to a lot of places. I'm just kind of curious what it'll look like with his hands in the reign of the defense. Yeah, I mean, just like you were saying, I there's just all kinds of different different factors going into it, and it's this is the one big thing going into next year. Assuming that the offense stays at the same level or, or even gets better, assuming Tech's offense doesn't, you know, take a big step back or anything like that, the defense is the most crucial part to the 2024 season. If Tech's defense is the same as it was last year, good luck because like the, the schedule is is very very hard and like it normally is but even with Clemson off the schedule next year you're talking about games against Georgia game against Notre Dame Miami Florida State NC State Louisville all those teams are expected um to compete for the ACC or you know in Georgia and Notre Dame's case for for bigger things like a playoff spot and and probably a national championship as well at least if you're Georgia so Look, the schedule is going to be tough, and the defense is just going to have to be better. Whether it's run defense, I think, is obviously the thing that stands out to most everyone. But, you know, the, the secondary was had its ups and downs, too. I think some of that can be correlated to the front seven and lack of pass rush. Um, and they're having to replace, you know, several players on the defense. But with him coming in, I, I'm interested to see a coaching upgrade. And, look, he's obviously had tons of experience with Simpson uh, co- coaching coaching together at Duke for um past couple of seasons. Kyle Pope, he seems to be an up-and-comer in this business as well. I'm excited to see what he's doing. And all these coaches, like, if you want to see how crazy, like, a calendar it is for college football, these coaches are just already out recruiting. Like, obviously, Simpson had had kind of been in the works for a while, but um, I know uh, Tyler was out seeing John Tay Gilbert just yesterday, probably their top target on defense for for 2025. So, obviously, things are going to have to be different on that side of the ball. And, honestly, it – there's nowhere to go up. Like, I know I, I know I sound like rude saying that, but like look at a lot of the statistics and it's just like it, it would be hard for Georgia Tech to be worse on that side of the ball. But for them to really possibly challenge for to be in the top half of the ACC, which I honestly think they're capable of doing with the offense that they have, you're going to need to see pretty big jumps everywhere. And, and that, that'll be the most interesting thing for me. But do you have anything else on the new defensive coordinator hire? No, I, I just think – there, there's not much to speculate. I, I just, I really want to see it in action, and then I think mm-hmm. I'll give a regrade at that point. Yeah, and you're gonna see a completely like a revamped Georgia Tech defense going against a revamped Florida State offense, like right off the bat. And you're gonna be challenged. Like I know that they're, and you know we don't have to obviously dig in too much into this right now. We're, we're seven months away, really. But um, Mike Norvell is one of the best players in all college football. Florida State has still has talent and has weapons on that side of the ball. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that because for the most part last year and until kind of in the second half because their offense couldn't do anything, Duke's defense did a really good job against a very, very good, healthy Florida State team when they still had Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, all those guys. Like Duke's defense did a pretty solid job, not not a tremendous job, but it, it, they did a really good job given their talent going up against um, – that Florida State offense. So I'll, I'll just be interested to see how they match up with Mike Norvell and Seminoles, but that will be at a later date when we dive more into that. When we were talking last week, we were discussing some of the problems we thought 
were going on with basketball. And, you know, we, we said we didn't think it was a disaster and that they were close in several games. You look, you blew a 16 point lead to Boston college. You went to overtime with Notre Dame and then, you know, it was a tough going, but, you know, really when we got off um, the next day, we, we previewed the Duke game last week. We both didn't like Georgia Tech's chances, but they were up 10 in the second half in Cameron Indoor Stadium, which is arguably the toughest place to play in all of college basketball. I, you know, I was uh, obviously covering it and I thought they were going to win. I really did. Like they, they outplayed Duke in several categories. They shot better than Duke. Um, I think the, the free throw attempts, you know, I'm, I think some of the officiating was a little spotty. Obviously it doesn't all come down to that. I'm not going to be that guy, but the free throw attempts did lean heavily in Duke's favor and, they almost pulled off uh, like an improbable second win against Duke. And then Tuesday nine with like a minute and 20 left, Nate George, like he had the game of his life. Um, I believe Tuesday against uh, Clemson went to double overtime. Look, you can blame Clemson for not hitting hardly any three pointers. I think they went up shooting 14% on threes. You can blame them for not hitting their clutch free throws. But at the end of the day, Georgia Tech made clutch shots at the end of the game, whether it was George, whether it was Reeves. They all stepped up when they needed to. Like, that that was a huge win on uh, this week. Yeah, and I want to – I really want to talk about Nate George because it's kind of been, like, these past three games, a progressive increase in, in output. Um, you look at Georgia Tech, obviously one of the highest pick and roll teams in the ACC. I believe we're at number one right now. Uh, 43% of possessions is pick and roll. Uh, and I think Nate George works off of that so beautifully. He's able to, you know, find space anywhere, drive to the basket. We um, see there weren't many fouls in that game, but when there were, it was Nate George getting to the basket, getting a foul. Um I think really this is – we saw the emergence of Miles Kelly earlier. You know, he had a slump. He came back. I think now we see the emergence of Nate George. You know, having such a young team, you know, you have multiple guys stepping up at multiple times, and and I think that's something for us to look forward Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you. And, you know, there were some early signs in the game where I was worried how it was going to go, but – Neither team really pulled out in front, like because Clemson was absolutely killing Georgia Tech on the glass early. Like, and Georgia Tech's one of the better rebounding teams, um, wh- whether it's by Dongo or, or somebody else. Like, they, they're a pretty good rebounding team, but man, Clemson was really killing it on the glass. PJ Hall had a big game for them. I think he wound up having like 28 points, if I'm not mistaken. But just, just a big win. And like, Clemson has trailed off this. At, at this point in the season, like, cause they, they, they started off like 11 and one, I think, and were ranked number 16 at one point. And then the latest bracketology I saw on ESPN, they were a projected number five seed, like beating them on the road is still, we'll see how they end up at the end of the year. Maybe they were just a complete fraud from the beginning that that's possible, but going and beating a team that, that many think can contend in the ACC or at least one of the upper tier teams in the ACC, that's a pretty big deal. And, and especially it was finally good to see them close the game out like that. Like we said, they've been in every single game outside of maybe the Cincinnati game earlier in the year, but especially since ACC play started, they got the win over Duke. And then you had close losses to Florida State, Boston College, Notre Dame and they and Duke as well. Uh, the second game around and they could have won all of those games like it, it's it was good to see them close the deal. Nate George was obviously huge and 
they're going to have a tough task ahead of them tomorrow. Or I guess at least you would think it was a tough task if you just look at the name. But Virginia, who came into the year ranked, and they have been terrible as of late. Like I'll just put that nicely. They did get a win over their arch rival Virginia Tech uh, this week. But they were blown out by Notre Dame. They they they've been blown out in a lot of ACC or in a few ACC games. I guess is the best way to say it. And Georgia Tech has an opportunity to string some wins together because here's the crazy part in all this. You know, Georgia Tech lost several games in a row. They're like a winning, uh, like getting stringing a few wins together away from being in like, in like fifth place in the ACC because there's just not a lot of separation right now. I think everybody would agree that North Carolina is the upper tier team right now. Like they're kind of they look kind of scary right now, and I, I I said I wrote a couple of weeks ago when I was previewing a game, or I think I was power ranking all the teams in the ACC. I said if there's a national title contender in the ACC, it's probably North Carolina. They're probably the best team, and they've showed it. Like they they've looked incredible. They've won all their games ACC games by double digits, I believe, except for their first game against Florida State, who's actually playing well right now. But it appears North Carolina and Duke have kind of separated themselves a little bit. And then you've kind of got a weird mixture of NC State, Wake Forest, and even Florida State, who's won like five in a row right now. Then there's a drop-off. Like, it, I, don't, I don't really know who's good or who's not. Clemson is struggling. Miami has not lived up to the preseason hype, which, you know, that, that figures. But a lot of teams just not being very good. Like, Pitt's not very good. Boston College isn't very good. Notre Dame's not very good. And I know Tech's lost to some of them. But, man, it's, it's kind of crazy that, that they – they're not totally out of it for being, you know, the, I don't know that they're going to finish in the bottom half of the ACC. Do you? I don't think so. And one interesting thing about the Virginia game, um, which I thought was really interesting, Georgia Tech is 0-10 in their past 10 games against Virginia. They haven't beat Virginia since January of 2016, which is insane. But it, in regards to the ACC I think it's I don't think it's unrealistic to say, you know, you finished top 5, top 4 in the ACC just because like you said there's so much parity. Like Yeah. And I'm not saying they're going to. I'm just saying like who's like okay, North Carolina aside like you I I was going to lump Duke in with that group, but like Georgia Tech's not scared of Duke. Like they they beat them once and they should have beat them twice. Like there's just nobody that that's, you know, I think I know Damon Stoudemire, he was on the radio today talking about how people are saying it's a down year for the ACC. He didn't believe that. It's a really tough league. And, I, I mean, I would probably disagree with him. You know, compared to previous years, I think this year's it's it's pretty down. And I, I just – I think that leaves the door open for them to, to climb further. There's not many teams that are a lot better than each other, and there's not many teams that are worse than each other. So every game going into it, I'll say Georgia Tech might have a chance to win. Like, they definitely have a chance to beat – Virginia tomorrow there's no doubt in my mind yeah and that kind of sets you know a a precedent for the team that's got to be you know motivational for the team because you look like you said it's not far obviously not to the top because there's a few teams like you know North Carolina Duke I would put NC State kind of in that area um but you know being in the top tier of ACC I think right now the overall reception of Georgia Tech is like, you know, you're a bottom tier ACC team or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I, de- I don't necessarily think that's true. I think there's a ton of winnable games left on the schedule. And I think, you know, you leave opportunities for yourself ahead. 
Yeah, and I saw uh, everybody. I, I'm pretty sure knows Stanford Steve over at ESPN. He said he had a random thought the other day, and he said Georgia Tech's the best nine and eight team in the country. Which you know, it, it's I don't I don't really know how you you quantify that because you know you're nine and eight for a reason. Maybe they are. I don't really have a list of all the nine and eight teams, but I do think it shows they're they're a scrappy team that has gotten better, and they're not an easy out for anybody in the ACC and. Look, they have a very winnable game tomorrow. I was going to piggyback off what you said. Not only has Tech lost the last 10 to Virginia, it's been 18 of 20. Like, that's kind of crazy to think about a series being so lopsided. But, you know, you kind of think – and that's why, you know, leading into this, I said it looks like a really tough game if you just look at the name of the opponent. Like, when everybody thinks of Virginia, they think of just the defense, Tony Bennett being a really good coach. They won that national championship. That has not they have not been the same team the past couple of years. Like it's not even been close. Um, and I, you know, I haven't followed every single Virginia game this year, but like I said, they they've been getting blown out in, in, in quite a few 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 games this year. And I'm interested to see how they match up. I think obviously you worry about the pace of the game and and how Virginia wants to play. If they play slow, you're there's probably not gonna be a ton of points scored, even though Georgia Tech has actually gotten to be one of the better offenses. Um in the ACC this year, like you, they're, they're, they're shooting really well right now. They're averaging 78, 78.3 points per game, hitting 47.8% of their shots. That's number two and number one in the ACC in those categories. Now, that's obviously going to be a challenge tomorrow, and they're going to have to take the opportunities that are given to them. And they're going to have, I think, turnovers and possibly free throw shooting are just going to be huge deals tomorrow because of just the way Virginia plays. And the thing is, Virginia doesn't – they don't have a real offensive threat, in my in my opinion. I just wonder how it, – it's just a different style of basketball than you're used to seeing when you play other teams. Like, it, it's just a, a different thing. It, you know, it, it's a little it's a little bit like, you know, when Syracuse had the zone defense under Jim, Jim Boeheim. Like, it was just – that was something different that nobody else ran that you had to really prepare for, and it was, it was a pain to play. That's how I think about Virginia now, maybe to a little bit of a lesser level, but um, I, I think I think they win tomorrow. I really do. Yeah, I do too, and I think I, I think one of the keys to the game, like how you said, turnovers. I think getting to the line is so crucial because um, look at the Duke game. Say whatever you want about officiating, as always. Um, but there was one point in the game Duke had taken six throws. Georgia Tech had taken two. You know, and then we missed the next two shots. So we were one of four from the free throw line. Duke was, I think, 14 of 16 from free throw. So I think a lot of that is just, you know, uh, attacking the rim. Um, obviously finding guys in space. Um, but a lot of that is just drawing fouls. That's all it is. Well, and some of that, you know, obviously when you they become a – a three-point shooting team a, a lot here lately. So you're obviously going to see some decrease in, in free throw shooting. Like, keep that in mind. Like, um, and when, and when they're, you're shooting it as well as they are, like, it that that just that makes perfect sense. But Virginia has also not won a road game this year, which is kind of crazy to think about. They've lost all three ACC road games, and they lost a non-conference road game earlier this year. But I can't – it's hard to predict final scores. I think – Whoever gets to 65 to 70 probably wins. I think that's what it's probably going to take. It wouldn't surprise me if it's both the winning team scores in the low 60s, but I, I, I'm going to pick Tech to win it. And, of, of course, I'm sure that will come back to bite me. Yeah. 
I'm gonna do the same thing, but I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna give a score out there. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Tech sixty eight Virginia sixty two. 62 okay we'll see we and we will be uh back to cover it all next friday of course and unless there's some breaking news we need to cover uh, that, that that'll be the thing but yeah if, if you're watching this on, uh, you know before we get out of here if you're watching this on youtube be sure like the video subscribe to the channel we would appreciate it if you're listening in podcast form make sure you give us a rating tell us your thoughts in the comments what we what we can do better um what you would like to see on the show and like we always tell you, we want to hear back from everybody. We we love the feedback. We want to build this for the community of Georgia Tech fans, and we want to do it in the best way possible. So any feedback is, is good feedback for us. And, yeah, RJ, you got anything else, man? You you said it all. all right, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot right now. Does Green Bay beat San Francisco tomorrow? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm holding you to that because I'm going to go – you know what? I can't like I can't host a podcast with somebody and not like just you know support them. I have I have nothing against Green Bay. Go Packers! Uh, I do have a future on the Baltimore Ravens, so I'm going to be an unapologetic Ravens fan for the next few weeks and hoping I can cash in on that. But in terms of the Packers, go Pack Go! Um, but that's going to do it for us. Like I said, if, if what you got you got something? I want to I want to put a prediction out there. I'm gonna say Jordan Love. 350 passing yards, Aaron Jones, three touchdowns, Packers one by 10. Okay. We, we, I don't have nothing to add to that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. You're listening on podcast form. Be sure to subscribe. Let us know what you think. That's going to do it for us. That is RJ Schaefer. This is Jackson Caldwell. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Georgia Tech podcast. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.